Emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge. When you hear that sound, you know you're in the purge pod. Welcome back to another episode of the purge pod. Sorry for the delay. We had some travels because this week's episode is the wedding singer. And of course, we had to do this because longtime member, original member, what other adjectives can we, founding father? Core piece of the league got married. Forrest Spiegel married the lovely Sarah Purville this past Saturday in Slotsburg, as Zach would call it, Slutsburg, New York. Beautiful wedding all the way around. And I think we should get started by just talking about some stories. So first of all, Slotsburg is in the Hudson Valley, about an hour north of Manhattan. Uh, a lot of members of the, the old parliament, current purgatory, were in attendance and Johnny, what were some overall experiences you had at the wedding? I, every day I'm reminded how far away I am from my twenties, but this weekend was exceptional. I I made the choice to take a red eye out Thursday night, land at seven and just kick it off from there, do a nice brunch with some of the the current purge members and then decided I'm just gonna do the same thing and and leave at seven o'clock in the morning after the wedding. We stayed out till two 30 in the morning that, that night. So getting a car at 4.30 was an experience. I came home, fell asleep on the couch in the one o'clock games, woke up to my child screaming on the toilet, my wife demanding that I go wipe her, and I had zero recollection of making it home to my couch when I woke up. So that was, yeah, it's, it, w- it went pretty well. How about yourself? It was an amazing experience for me. I was in the wedding, so I, had a, I was able to stay on site. And I, I'm a pro at this. I've been traveling, and I travel often, my girlfriend and I decided to go the week before, which we'll talk about a little bit later and what happened to me. Oh. But so I was in New York the whole time. I got up there early and we were coming back to Mexico. So we left, our flight was at four. We got foot massages before we, we got on the flight. So it was an incredible experience. But at the wedding itself, the drinks were flowing. Everybody was having a good time. The biggest smiles, Forrest couldn't have been happier. The best man, or some say the better man, had an incredible speech. And I know Brad, Brad was in prime form. Brad was belly laughing all day long, all night all long. Oh man, I was, there was at one point during the wedding where I have this bit where I will just, it was black tie wedding, so it was hard to do this when you have those little knobs on your shirt. But I tend to just unbutton shirts and just say, hey, loosen up a little bit in the middle of a conversation that somebody else is having with someone and I'm not involved, I'll just go and I'll do it. I've done it to Brad's dad before. I've done it to a lot of people. Don't do it to women. Yeah. And <laughs> Disclosure, only male on male contact here. Yes. The, at one point, I remember turning to one of the wives and I was like, who thinks, or do you think I can just get Brad's shirt off right now? And they were like, <laughs> what? Because he was just in a conversation. So while he was talking, I just slowly undid his bow tie and then slowly unbuttoned all of his buttons down to almost his belly button. And he was just, <laughs> didn't know what was going on. At one time I lifted him up. Yoni had the astute, had the astute thought 
of him and I have the most strangest relationship, which is true. He's like, I guess I'll defend him, I'll trigger him, and then but when we're in person together, we have the best time. So that's it's one so thing I'm, I was reminded. Incredible cocktails again. After party oh, yeah. was a lot of fun. Well done, Forrest. Um, yeah, and, and Sarah's family, I, it just everything was just phenomenal, over the top at this wedding. Uh, and I, everyone was having such a good time. It was, it was so hard to leave. No one wanted to go to bed either night. Uh, even like the, the cocktail night was supposed to end at 10. I don't think anyone really left. We went back and drank in the lobby of the hotel we were at. Um, it, was, it was a great time. Oh, shit, almost. Really quick, you you and, and Brad on that relationship. It is very funny. You know, it's, it, lovers make the best enemies is how I'm going to put it because you know how to push that kid's buttons better than anybody else. Uh, and you really get them riled up. But when you two are in person, the other bit you guys do where you clear out the dance floor, like you're going to do some break dancing, but all you do is the little leg shuffle thing the entire time is probably the funniest thing I've seen live in my life. There, yeah, that's a bit we've been doing for a long time. I think we were <laughs> so, in Boston the first time we did it. I don't know where it came about, but that's a really good bit. Just pretending we get everybody who's there and we just, we per, everyone's like dancing around each other. Then we get them all yeah. to go in a circle. Like we're going to do some sort of break dance. And if you guys remember from middle school, this was very popular back then. And yeah. we end up not ever doing the break dance. We just do the shuffling that happens beforehand and we cross the legs and it just becomes an over exaggerated cross-legged shuffle supposedly and it gets brad every time he loses it let's jump into it let's jump right into it because on this episode we're going to do our normal segment around bad beats we're going to go through the awards correlated to wedding singer we're going to talk about my rough night out and then we're going to do a draft and we have a special guest joining us our first guest guest of the purge pods bad beats johnny let's get to it because there's two that we want to talk about one from this past week and then one from the weekend prior because Mm -hmm. we didn't get a chance to talk about that one i'll start with the one from weekend prior and as we talked about in the last pod i I didn't think it could get worse in my college parlay of miami forgetting they could kneel a football i was wrong this week, I had the awesome luck of betting on Colorado versus Stanford and then being up 29 to nothing and somehow losing the game, which was the only loss in that pod or in that parlay for the week. So that one, that one exceptionally hurt. What do you got? I think the one that hurts the most was the kick, the miss kicked by Jake Moody on the Niners uh. to beat the Browns that. I was in a bar with a bunch of, with Forrest, actually. This was, again, not this past weekend, the weekend before. And Johnny, we had them in a couple parlays, and we ended up losing that one, and it cost us a few shekels. That was a $350 swing for us there. That kick goes in, and, and we're up 250 and instead we, we drop 100 That was a 40, one hurt. Thanks for that third-round draft pick on that, guys. Really great. And then I think the other thing, it's not necessarily a bad beat, but we did a four-team parlay, you, me, Zach, and Forrest at the wedding work. We're not going to, we're going to hit this. And it was a college one. And I think, I can't remember everyone had, but the only one that missed was my Tulane bet, who they ended up winning by seven. They were two, 20 and a half, uh, 20 and a half yeah. point favorites. So not a bad beat, just like one of those, ah, oh, it would have been so epic to Knocked get a win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were emotionally uh, invested in that one. That was, we wanted that one to hit yeah, for us, but you know yeah. what? You might still get married, but you're still bad luck. Here we go. <laughs> <Guess> let's, <you're laughs> let, let, let's go into the awards. So Wedding Singer. This one was tough, Johnny, honestly, because there are so many good one-liners in this movie. But I'm going to say we're going to do, do the first one here, which is not only is he your best friend, he's the only limo driver in town. 
And the idea around here was just talking about a trade, not necessarily through friends, but the idea of putting a friend through a ringer of a trade. And so for me, I'm going to go with the Greg and Tim trade where they exchanged Eckler. Wait, what was the trade again, Johnny? It's, it's Eckler and Mostert are the, are the primary. There was two droppable guys on the way back for $50 this year. And so I like this trade because the 50 bucks that this trade happened the day after the basketball draft. Yep. So Tim already knew what his team was. He is probably middle of the road in basketball, and he was able to get $50 more that he can now use towards baseball and football. He wasn't going to win. I don't know if either of those guys are going to be keepers, per se, but I just think it was really fun because I'm thinking of like them going back and forth, Adam Sandler yelling at his best friend who's a limo driver, yeah. weaving in and out of the cones, hitting the cones. That felt like what this trade was happening. And it was also happening. was a very... Tim spent a lot in the basketball draft, so this felt very calculated to, okay, I'm, I'm not, I might not have enough money left here coming into what I want to do, and immediately went in there and grabbed fifty bucks. That's that was a nice move. A little chest by a little chest by by Tim here. Yeah, he's. I think our pod last week rattled a bit. I think he got got called out a few times, and so um, that's kind of part of this. We're here for our own advantageous selves here to stir people up. Glad to see it. Love to see the participation. A little bit of persuasion on the purge pod. <laughs> okay, this next one here is... Or sorry, no, you have to tell yours. What was yours of the... Oh, I actually had... Things? Knowing how both of you trade, I picked your trade with Zach and at Team Grack for the McCaffrey trade where you had big dollars going around, I think $30, $35. No, sorry, 60 was the dollars that came back to you in that. And you got Trey Turner in the back end of that. Zach is a huge Niners fan. Obviously, then you're a huge McCaffrey fan. So that just got my... I knew... I know how you trade in general. And that was something I'm like... TJ ran Zach through on this one and Zach got the best player in football who we talked about immediately put up a four touchdown week afterwards and knock on wood looks like he's going to play tonight. Yep. This is going to air probably on Tuesday just because I'm going to want to watch Steiner's game, but it would be devastating if he did get hurt for lots of reasons, but we also have Elijah Mitchell. We also have Elijah Mitchell. So that would have been equally as bad for, for Zach, but I'm glad he is playing for purposes of the Niners. Johnny, yeah. what's our next? The next award is, sir, one more outburst from you, I will strangle you with my microphone wire. You are the worst wedding singer in the world, buddy. Sir, one more outburst, I will strangle you with my microphone wire. You understand me? You said it from the beginning. This movie has, it might be the most underrated Adam Sandler movie that's out there for what people love. But for me in this one, I went with the idea being a guy that just keeps popping off and it's ruined a lot of weeks for people except for the person who owns them. So this was Forrest for me and Nico Collins. Every week I look back and it seems that he's having 100 yards and a touchdown. And I looked at the schedule. He's got Jags. What's coming up next? I'm sorry. Oh, Panthers, Bucks, Bengals, Cardinals, Jags, Broncos are the next six weeks for the Houston. This guy's going to go off. We're talking about a guy that's going to have a top 10 wide receiver finish if he keeps doing we this. Talk, we, we talked about it, I think, last part of the pod before. Nico Collins is going to be a surefire keeper. And yep. with CJ Stroud there, 
it's only going to raise his stock. He was super talented coming into the draft, so that's going to be an amazing long-term pick for them. For me, I actually have you and Goff. This was brutal because everybody's been on the jock of Goff and the Lions since they beat the Chiefs week one. They've shown a lot of promise. They've had some really amazing games and performances, a lot of weapons. Everyone's starting to love Dan Campbell. And then, of course, he comes and has a major dud against against the Ravens on the road. I believe that game, did that game end up scoreless? They didn't score any points? Is no, they, they they got a garbage time at the end. They, uh, okay, but still. Gib, like, I think that Gibbs, be Gibbs got one in or someone got one at the end. Right when Goff is getting to be somebody that you want to trust that you think is going to end up being a steal, he just goes and, and drops an absolute stud yeah. like this of a game. Yeah, that was, he went to my high school, Goff. Big cat. Go Cats. So that, that's what I had for sure one more outburst from you. That hurt. That one hurt. The next I had Burrow one, on the, the bye there too. So I, had, I started Goff and it was not great. Um, the next one is... But the worst thing is that me, fatty, sideburns lady, and the mutants over at Table 9 will never find a way to be in a better situation. You know, it's funny. Some of us will never, ever find true love. Like take, for instance, me. And I'm pretty sure that guy right there. And that lady with the sideburns. And basically everybody at Table 9. But the worst thing is that me, fatty, sideburns lady, and the mutants over at table nine will never ever find a way to better the situation because apparently we have absolutely nothing to offer the opposite sex. Johnny, take this one. <laughs> what an all-timer. This one is is pretty clear to me. It's on, on Team Gerbert and Najee Harris. He, he got a touchdown last week, but if you take that out, he was 14 rushes for 50-something yards. It, it's clear that Warren's taken a significant role and a better role. And, and, and frankly, the Najee Harris time is... is Trade him while he has a touchdown, guys, because this is not a, a great-looking situation for Najee moving forward. For me, I have... Pitts, Bijan, anybody on the Falcons. This is so brutal. I have, owning Bijan must be so frustrating because, and same thing with Pitts. These guys are ultra talented. Even though there's been stuff, some stuff around Pitts where, like, you watch him, you're like, he actually is a really bad route runner. He's just this physical specimen, which is like Chase Claypool ish. Bijan, there's no excuse. I think he was hurt this or he got sick or something. But yeah. still, regardless, like, he seems like one of those players that should be getting 20 points a game no matter what based off how often he touches the ball in the backfield, based off of how many catches he gets, how elusive he is, how physical he is as a runner. I think everybody was a bit shocked that the Falcons took him because they had Algier, and a lot of fantasy analysis out there are really frustrated with uh, Arthur Smith because he tends to do this with all these players, and it's just it all comes down to Ritter in my opinion. But anyways, I would not like – as long as Ritter is a QB, I think Falcons may be like a no-go for me as a draft going forward. I, I or would if have, you're going to get him for low. I, I, I can't disagree with that. There's so much talent on this team, and it's just real, real bad to see. Even like Drake London should be a top 10 receiver. And it, 
yeah, it's it doesn't make a lot of sense. Did anyone in our league grab that Rams kid? Zach Evans. He was supposed to be the guy. There's no one else on the roster. I think they had to start Daryl Henderson, who's been on hasn't even played in the league for the entire season. And Zach Evans got zero touches in the game. Yeah, it this is a weird year. It's I'm not so quite weird. sure. I'm not quite sure. This might be telling of how base, how football is going to go every year. Like honestly, that we just have no idea, which bodes well for the people who have a lot of money, who I think can, can spend on like some surefire guys, but also may help those who don't have a lot of money because it's like still just like up in the air. We have no idea. It's like the Kyler Williams on the yeah. Rams, the Puka Nuku on the Rams. A lot of this is wrong around the Rams. Actually, it's crazy <laughs> yeah. that this keeps on happening. And also, there's a lot more trades happening in football than there ever yep. was. And I think we're about to see some major, some major changes. There's two schools of thought for football. Because it's so wild, you either might want to have the most money so you can hit the most shots and try to just, okay, I know one's going to miss, so let me, let me get the next guy. Or you want to go, I don't care, I'm going to just go for deals on everything and then use fab budget to try to bring guys in. But it's football is going to be a wild. And it's always so close because it's not... A, a categorical standings, right? It's head-to-head win, so usually you're one game out of playoffs when you miss. It's, it's going to be weird. There's a couple of trades that we need to talk about, too. And now that I look at it, there was one, your trade that you did, where you traded away uh, Sam Laporta and Jamar Chase for Garrett Wilson and Logan Thomas. Talk us through this. What was going through your mind? So I think a, a bit of this we might get into with our guests, but a, a long story short was I there was a guy I wanted in the draft that the, the dollars got a little crazy. And for football, my my seasons, it's rough. I, I got I took another loss last week standing wise. So I'm going one and five into the into it two and four in that range. It's it's a little too many losses to make it out. So I decided let me get value out of Chase now. I didn't want to give up Sam Laporta. He's having a great year, but with our rules, fifteen dollars is probably what he would cost to to buy in the draft next year. So there wasn't a lot of keeper value for me there. So the, the target was, if I'm giving up Chase, who I probably couldn't keep, he was a $60 guy this year, I'll take Garrett Wilson for 30 and and hope Rodgers is back next year and, and make him one of my premier keepers moving forward. And then we'll, we'll save the basketball player to be named for, the, for our guests. And then the other trade that happened was Cooper Cup goes to Zach and Pacheco going back to Tim here. And I think 20 bucks was sent over. Uh, $30. $30. $30. So in a span of a week here, Tim gets $80 going into <sighs> baseball. And so that's a big deal, man. I think we're going to, I think this is where I think it's going to get really interesting when it comes to end of year and going into next year with this league. Because candidly, I see these and I see these trades being made. All that makes me want to do is sell as much as possible right. going into next year because. We know we love our basketball team, which we'll get into with our guests, but I like I don't want to be caught behind going in baseball. Are well, you officially announcing that the no mames are up for sale? Johnny, it's we're talking about me here. Every we're always up for we're always in for a deal. Eighty dollars is, is not a small amount, but no. I think that's a really good trade. And so I think we're gonna start seeing some trades happening because those teams are gonna start to think about next year and I think it's gonna drive prices down at a certain point, but I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the case quite yet. It's gonna be interesting here also because I think Zach and, and Donnie or Doni are, are gonna they're gonna be on the market to get some new guys. And we talk about this, how good how weird football is in the last 
three, Tim's in, I think, last place. And in the last three or four days, he's traded Cooper Cup, Raheem Mostert, and Austin Eckler. If you told me that a guy had those three players on his roster, I would tell you he's not in last place. So it's just wild. And 80 bucks is nothing, that's not nothing to laugh at. That's a massive increase for what he's getting. And it's, if you're not first, you're last, right? The, the prices are going right now fast. So I think I'm in that same boat where I'm starting to open up a bit and say, okay, who do I have left that I, I would move here and who am I keeping? Because I, I do need money moving forward just to be competitive. Yeah. All right. I want to end it by a quick anecdote about what happened to me the day of oh, the, yeah. the football draft. So I was in New York. I flew to New York a week early before the wedding. And I met up with Joe and Forrest, the partners. Forrest was still very much on his wedding diet. I think he had one, maybe two drinks, didn't eat any pizza. This place that we went to was awesome. It was called Salugi's. It was a, a great spot where Joe, I don't know the neighborhood where it was at, but Joe, um, he's a bartender. Um, and we went there. And the first thing going into this, I was, I was already texting these guys. I was very excited because we don't get you know, the type of bars that are for football like you guys do in the States where you can go and they have all the games on, they have the cheap drinks. Like that just doesn't exist here. I'm usually like on my couch just like watching the game, maybe with a friend or two or usually by myself. So what ended up happening was I'm really excited getting into it. I uh, get there at 12 Eastern, so an hour before the game start and I have one or two drinks, nothing too crazy. And Joe, who can handle his own as well, gets goes right away and gets two of the vodka seltzers. I think it's called Nutriel. I've never heard of them before, but he gets two. Hmm. And then I'm like, I'm pacing with him with beer. We're watching the games. He's a huge Jags fan. I'm a Niners fan. We're going hard. All of a sudden now we switch to some sort of like coffee liqueur drink. And then after that we go to martinis. And we're, next thing I know, we're in the middle of the Jets-Bills game. I think it was the Jets-Bills game, right? No, the Jets-Eagles game. Yeah which I ended up making money on somehow, but I don't remember how. <laughs> and by, by the, I'm in the middle of this game, and I don't remember what's going on. We move from a table to the bar. There's some guy next to us who's literally crying about he lost someone in his family, and he's, like, crying to us. I drop my phone at some point, and it shatters. And so I need to go back to Brooklyn. I My phone dies. I, at this point, am, like, I fall asleep in the Uber. I get to my my the place of where I'm staying, the apartment I'm staying. I get there and I realize there's only one key for me and my girlfriend to get in, and she has the key, and I can't get in because she's not home yet because she was coming back from dinner with her friends, and I can't contact her. I don't have a way in. And so what ends up happening is I go to some random restaurant bar. Couldn't tell you where it was, like around the corner from where, and from where I was, and I just go into there like, probably smelling and reeking of booze don't like I this is how drunk I was where I I couldn't like in my head I knew I wasn't able to speak and I was like can you charge phone please and I give them my phone and they're like okay <laughs> and I'm just like sitting there not doing and I'm like can I get water and I'm just like sitting there with my Apple watch just waiting for it to get on and being like Alana where are you and it finally charges I t I'm using the on Apple watches, you can write on them. Oh I'm using that to text with her. She has no idea. She's like, I've been in the lobby in here the whole time. Where are you? I guess I just can <laughs> see her when I got there. So I finally get my phone after five minutes. I go there and she's waiting there. And she is, what is going on? I'm like, I need to go to bed right now. Like right now I need to go to bed. And I guess like I talked to Josh. I guess I talked to Forrest. And even Forrest, who I've gone out with a lot, he was like, that's like the worst I've ever seen. I don't know what happened. Like I think it was just a collective... 
12 hours of drinking like nonstop with like friends I don't get to see often. But dude, the next day was so brutal. I, it was, it was like irresponsible. And I swore I would, even at the wedding, I wasn't like, it was so bad. It's one of those situations where it's like you drink so much. The first thought when you wake up is I am never drinking again. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to be sober. I'm, I'm, this is the end of my career. That's what I would wanted to do. But I had like work events. Like I met a client yeah. later that the next day. And then after that, we had this gala that we got invited to. And I'm like, I'm definitely not going to be dressing up and not have a martini. So, yes, the rules. so it was... New York does something to me when I get there because I used to live there that it just like brings this energy back. But that's what happened to me. So if you guys were wondering where I was at, I was Forrest out of it completely. actually mentioned when the draft started, he's like, oh, yeah, TJ's definitely not going to be here. This is the absolute most messed up I've seen him ever. And that is 100% saying something. Well, I can hold my, I can hold my booze too. And that was... Yeah. And I'm usually somebody when I drink, like I can like, I used to get in trouble because like with girls, because I would have like normal conversations and they'd be like, oh, like you seem totally fine. And I was like, I was not totally no. fine. I can no. just like have my facilities about me. This is, I just lost it. And I don't think this is like only two or three times this has ever happened in my life. So that was a, a pretty scary moment, but I'm glad everything came. I had everything on me. I was safe. Yeah. No issues. Just had to lick my wounds. In it. Apologies to the random restaurant staff that thought you were having a mental breakdown. That's rough. If you want to, if you want to sponsor the show, we're looking for sponsors. <laughs> we have an extremely fun next segment. As we all know, basketball draft happened last week, and there's a lot of excitement around the basketball draft because it starts off the new season, and. With new season comes new individual change? teammates. Change, new change, change? teammates. And what we want to do here, Johnny, we want to bring in an old face in an old place. Johnny, how would you describe this person in your experience as a fantasy player? Not afraid is the word I would say. There is no fear from this individual of going on a limb and then letting you know that the limb he's on is the safer limb and you're the one who is in fact on a broken branch. This individual loves basketball, which is why we wanted to bring him in here. It is the one, the only Ryan Musser who was a part of our league a few years back, left the league over certain controversies, which we'll, we won't discuss on this pod, maybe at a later date. Is Rouge still in the league? No. <laughs> yeah, he's not in the league. We don't affiliate ourselves uh, with that individual. So Ryan is, was in the league. He is now Brad's partner and will be taking over basketball responsibilities. Ryan, before we get started, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself and how you would personally describe your skill set as a fantasy athlete. Fantasy athlete. Wow, that is, I like that. Hi, I'm Ryan. Most of you should know me. For those that don't, I have played fantasy basketball for 20 years. I wouldn't consider myself a fantasy athlete, but I do like spreadsheets and projections. And yeah, I was excited to get back into it. Brad, I've known Brad since we were four years old. And I partnered with Brad a few years back. And for life reasons bounced out but happy to be back in and uh, partake in the basketball season 
so preparing for this draft, Ryan, compared to what you're used to, what did you expect versus what happened? A few of you were correct that I wasn't predicting that people would be spending that much money on players. That definitely caught me off guard. I had to change my strategy after the first two picks because I wanted to do a punt free throw strategy, and Josh just obliterated that in the first couple of picks with yep. Luca and Giannis. Giannis. But yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that. There were a few gaps that I was able to exploit, and we'll, we'll get into some of those. I think generally what, what I tended to see from this draft is there's some haves and some have-nots out here. And the teams on the top are really good, uh, and the teams on the bottom are really bad. Our team sits average at every category, and we'll see. We'll talk more about some of these things that I'll try to exploit throughout the season. But yeah, definitely that some teams spending that amount of money through me for sure. So this is how what we're gonna do here. We're gonna. I'm gonna. Obviously, I don't do basketball. I follow basketball. It's my favorite sport for sure. But Josh has full control of our team. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to facilitate while you guys cook and talk about what you think happened in the draft. We'll go through different categories. But before we do that, Johnny, I want you to go and give us a little bit more of a recap in terms of spend. I think it's sure. really interesting that we look at where we're starting. This is our second year in. What are What is the trend telling us given what we know four drafts into this, into this league? Ryan touched on it. This was unparalleled maybe in the amount of money we've seen so far usually our average spend per draft so far for basketball and football has been around 250 to 275 dollars you were looking at teams year one all having roughly the same amount of money maybe some people buying up but now we've had a full year of individuals maybe punting for the next year to build their war chests so this draft was our highest yet on average spend at $292 uh, on average from teams. So that means there are certain teams that were significantly higher where myself, Zach, we had a little bit less money. So we were on the lower end of a spend in the, in the $200 range. It was about an eight and a half percent increase on dollars. And so we were talking about it last draft and, and Ryan alluded to it. You had guys going for 10% more than anyone was really expecting in this draft. And early on, there were some, I don't know how you felt, Ryan, some wild blow-ups on guys that just went out of this world amount of money where it, it got halfway through. I, I actually texted Ryan, hey, I just want you to make sure Brad may not have told you the money you have is for the entire season. It's not just for basketball. And because it was just people were spending so much and I, I wanted some of our new members to make sure they knew you couldn't just dump it all in on basketball. Yeah, that, that was pretty wild. Like the first four or five picks was like, whoa, okay. Like immediately smacked in the face with this scenario. So really it happened bad. quickly. So yeah. let's talk about some of those early picks. What I can see, Giannis, Luca went early and they went for, I believe 80, they went for 70 and 80 respectively. What was, who was in on that? I know we ended up getting them, but like, Ryan, how high were you going? Was it going quick? Was those who were in person, I know you were with Zach, I think, Johnny. Was there just like shock across the board? Yeah, I, I felt like you start off with LaMelo Ball was the first guy put up and he went for 47, which was about where I expected him to go. And then right after that, Luca goes for 80 
Giannis goes right after for 70. That was Josh back to back. And I think, Ryan, you were in on both those, weren't you? Pushing for him? Yeah. 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 And if I was not in on those just because I was going in not with the free throw punt strategy. So those guys weren't really lining up with at least where I was intending to go. But yeah, Luca, when Luca hit 80, I feel like that was the kickoff point, Ryan, that from there on out. Yeah. It Curry was... going for 76. Yeah. Top five guys right now, based off salary that weren't kept, were Luca at 80, Steph at 76, Giannis at 70, Durant at 61, and Donovan Mitchell at 58. You're welcome. So those were the five highest guys. And then if you mix in keepers, Jokic was kept for 72, and Embiid was kept for 63. So Johnny, yeah. what we talked about on the last one, you're, I think what you're right about Embiid, Embiid ended up being a steal, and who knows how much Jokic would have gone for if he was available in the draft. I think he was a Century Club guy if Zach didn't keep him, based on what wow. those rates were. I think he would have had a $100 spend for Jokic. You can't go wrong with him. Like You can nope. build any direction with him. So mm-hmm. that, And then the Donovan Mitchell pick, to me, that one was like resources were scarce in terms of player resources at that point in time, and he mm-hmm. like... He doesn't hurt you anywhere, and he's pretty good across the board. So that one made – it was expensive, but it made sense versus the rest of these outliers. Yeah, point guard's gone at that point. Trey Young was gone. He was the fourth guy up. Van Fleet was gone. He was the 14th guy up. Darren Fox was gone. He was eighth. So your, your point guards were really thin at at the time Spider came up. Let's get into who whose drafts we liked, right? And let's start with – the best on the, on the good side. Like, who do you guys think, and Johnny, we'll start with you, we'll go down to John, we'll go down to Ryan. Who in your mind like sticks out? And you can give us a couple names. I know there's mm-hmm. probably one person that sticks out for both of you. But Johnny, why don't you lead us off and tell us who you thought did best? Part of this is going to be a, a, a little uh, correlation, right? Obviously, the teams that spent more, that had more going in, they're, they're going to have phenomenal teams. Uh, so what I, I try to do is, is look at not only if you spent the most, but where your spend was, did you get any deals in that? And I, I think, in my opinion, Team Foe uh, and Forrest Handles Basketball had a, had a really strong draft. He, I, he's one of the few teams, I think, where you look at his bench, and the bench is very deep. Um, that fits the strategy. You wound up getting Wemby for a steal. And we're talking about everything else, and Wemby went for nothing. A few others that we'll probably get into later. But I was high on Tyrese Maxey this year with what's going on in the Harden side of it. He landed Drew. That's going to be in a nice area for him there. I'm always a Brooke Lopez guy. If you're building a kind of guard strategy and percentages, and, and it seemed to be where he was going. The, the one holdback, he didn't spend the most money. He was, I think, third or fourth. He does have a team that tends to rest a lot. And so it's definitely, I think, the, the part where he has maybe a, a little bit of a risk is that he's got a lot of guys in his team that are like a 50, 60 kind of game guy. Wemby's going to be rest. But I really like where where Foe was at on that. Ryan, what do you think of Forrest's draft and specifically the Wemby pick? Yeah, that that's a good pick, man. I think in the future, he could be a potentially like best punt player ever in terms of punt rebounds. We'll see. Obviously, there's a lot of TBDs on him and can he hold up and all this stuff. But yeah, the upside is certainly there. I, lo- I also had Forrest as my top team. He really, in a world where everybody's punting something, Forrest isn't punting anything. He's re- he's good across the board. 
The only category that he's negative in on average is rebounds. And even then, he's just slightly below where the average would be for, for this league. One of the most well-rounded teams I've ever seen. Obviously, that's enabled by number one, auction draft, and number two, the amount of money um, that, that he spent. The thing that I'm looking out for with Forrest team is he's basically got one guy that is droppable in Miles Bridges. I think the rest of those guys, you can't, you, you got to hold on to him. And he's a little bit light on what I'll call my games by day stat where, you know, you've got teams that play a lot of games on uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you've got teams that play a lot of games on the off days, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. You've got OKC, Phoenix, Golden State, Orlando, Lakers, San Antonio, and then Milwaukee at eighth. So he's got a few guys in that spot, but that having all of his players playing most of their games on the same day is going to be tough, and then not being able to accommodate that with some pickup and drop guys, it may be smart for him to package up a two-for-one and, and try to open up some spots so that he can plug some of those Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday gaps. But overall, I mean, that that's nitpicky for this team. It's just a really good team. That's an interesting concept of games per day. So the idea there is because certain teams will play more on the Tuesday, Thursdays, the primetime game, where there's only one or two games, or two games, I think, that the more guys you have on those days, the better off you'll be and you won't get stuck with having to make tough decisions on the Monday, Wednesday, Friday lineups, essentially, right? That's right. And you can squeeze a couple more games a week out if you can time that and then potentially pick some guys up and drop some guys to plug in on the uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday if you've concentrated your stars on the Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday days. Ryan, that's a good thing you brought up too. It's something that hurt Forrest in baseball when we were talking about it last pod. His team was so good, not having an ad drop spot hurt him a lot. And just because you're resting guys, those don't get to go in a non-bench spot. So with that kind of situation, do you how much do you think it's going to impact his team? It really hurt him in baseball that he really had no one to ad drop when guys were just sitting out games. Is that you think going to be problematic too with a bench that deep? Because we have a, a limited bench in this league. It's five spots. Yeah, I, I think it will. I think it will. I think it'll just add to the volatility. Mm-hmm. If you take all his players and factor in all the games played, I have him winning 70% of his, of the categories throughout the season. But if there's a week where he's got one or two games every Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, that could put him at four, five, six games behind another team, which ultimately can, that's a chink in the armor, right? right. If you consider the low, th- relatively low threes, relatively low rebounds, moderate field goal percentage. Somebody could squeak by and, and steal a few cats off him and, and, and beat him, particularly in, the, in a playoff-type setting. Ryan, let's talk about some other, peop- other teams that you, other drafts that you liked. Any other standouts? It sounds like you have quite the analysis over there. Who, who do you like that do you think, like whether it was because of just they spent really well or just like looking at their team like what is it that who is it that you think is going to have a good season yeah no no mames josh tj that's that's another team i looked at as really strong across the board obviously the punting free throw situation is there second worst team on threes but threes are 
you can find threes on the waiver. I think a few tweaks to this team and like it could overtake Forest as the best team. But I look for I look at this team to to win probably 60% of categories throughout the season, but probably win more matchups just due to the punt free throw aspect. So another really good team. And then can't lose with Doni and Draymond Green's punch out where or two other teams that I think are quite strong. Can't lose with Doni relatively low margin on a week-by-week basis with pretty bad points, threes, and assists, but strong in blocks, field goal percentage, turnovers. They're basically a lock to win three categories and a lock to lose three. And if they can plug those gaps on a week-to-week basis, they'll be really strong. And then opposite of that is Draymond Green's punch out. They're just really solid across the board. And uh, I I wouldn't want to count them out any week. So um, yeah. That's where I'd round out the top four with Jerbert actually being pretty close um, as well. Johnny, who do you have? Is there any other teams that I, that's exactly out to you? my in the order that Ryan mentioned them? That is who I had one to five. Again, you had teams with money there. That that's Jamon Green's punch out with Grands, Namames, Tosh. You guys had a lot of money going into this, so you were able to spend. And I really like those teams. Donnie's always a great drafter. We were joking in the room, and we can get into differences between. Donnie and Sam. I think Donnie picked up early that he was going to have to loosen up his pockets a bit on this to get the guys he wanted. I think Sam didn't do that. And But yeah, that's my exact honest order to the way through it. I thought there were some good teams there. I think Greg and I pulled off a trade last week, so his team stepping back a little bit for me just because he traded me Donovan Mitchell before the season started here. Obviously advantageous. He's going for it in football. It, it cost me Jamar Chase, but I think he pulls back a little bit. He would have been a little higher for me if it wasn't for the trade. Johnny, why don't you talk about, I know there are some teams and you mentioned Sam. <laughs> what are some teams that are just going to really struggle in, in basketball? Yeah. And again, and, and we're going off the draft. I know there's already been a couple of trades, but we're doing this based off of the draft analysis. Yeah, so Zach and I at the gates, we, we spent the least amount of money. We, we had the least to go with. And our teams definitely struggle. We, we have some holes to fill in our rosters. But I'll go with Sam. I, I had Sam with the worst draft. And I think admittedly halfway through on our Zoom for the draft, he goes, I, I think I made a mistake. And we're like, what, what do you mean? He's like, I didn't get any good guys. That's what he said in the draft. <laughs> and I think what happened with Sam was he really wasn't, he really wasn't willing to pay the premium. And as the draft kept going on, the, the guys were just gone. And so I, I think his best drafted player by ranking is James Harden, who it's uncertain if he's going to play this year, other than maybe one other guy in, in, in Darius Garland, who maybe has that top 40, 30 potential. The rest of the team is not great. I think there's a lot of ad droppable guys in his roster there. Um, and so I think it was just a, it was a hard draft for Sam that he didn't pivot quick enough and, and loosen up his pockets. It seems, and it's really unfortunate because we talked about in the last pod, Anthony Edwards being one of the best value keepers at 31, and it just goes a little wasted, unfortunately. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Ryan, who else do you agree with what Johnny said there on Sam's team, Buddy Brigade? Or is there anybody else that you're like, this is, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be tough sledding? Yeah, I think Bodie Begrade is my runner-up for worst team. Um, he, he's good at blocks, and then essentially there, he's not great anywhere else and actually has some pretty bad categories in points and free throw percentage um, and assists. He's going to have a tough time. Um, he's going to have a tough time. But uh, 
I think the clear worst team to me is only France. Um, I, I love, this is Zach's team, right? I love you, Zaka. You're one of my favorite humans on this earth, so I hate to do it. But this team is essentially punting five categories. That's tough. That's a tough spot to be in. Like, he could win some of these punted categories because, like, for example, he'll win free throw percentage against no mames. But coming in this bad at five categories off the jump is a really tough spot to be. And then he's essentially punting points, threes, steals, free throw percentage, and turnovers. Um, he's average at blocks and then, like, good-ish at rebounds, assists, and field goal percentage with field goal percentage being one of the more finicky categories week to week, I just, I've got him essentially winning one out of three cats throughout the season and finishing pretty far ahead and away as the worst team. With, with, with that being said, I think like overall looking at it and we're going to get into player value picks. He has two that I really like looking at it. I love the Scoot Henderson pick at 13. Mm-hmm. I think it's still unknown what he's going to do, obviously, but I think he's going to be an amazing pro, and I think he's going to be putting up numbers like straight away, and I think we're going to see how, how impactful he is as a rookie. And then the other one is Paulo Banchero. Uh, um, I, I love him, and I think he, he's going to have a massive jump from year one to year two, and he's only going to continue. I wouldn't doubt it, and this is – I got this from another pod, so I can't claim it, but with Yahoo – I think there's an opportunity where he could also get center eligibility, which would be really interesting. When you take Ja, who's out for 25 games, like you know what you're doing, and this could be easily a a team trading like a quarter of the way through the season, knowing where they're at and Ja Morant's value next year. He could just end up keeping him for 25 and get a lot more dollars next year, knowing that a team that could draft him and, and keep him at a low amount. Yeah, I had the jaw thing out for 25 games, not IL eligible. Mm -hmm. Same thing on Scoot. I actually, Gafford, as a cheap breakout candidate with Porzingis getting out of there, definitely somebody to keep your eye on. But I also have Mikal, Mikkel, Bridges uh, underperforming his draft rank. I think people got a little too high on him, and I don't see him hitting that top 20 target. It could be. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think he's a candidate to regress a little bit this year. Yeah, he definitely balled out after the trade, and I think that it's a very fair point. The sample size was pretty small when Brooklyn was already done competing for the year. Yeah. Even at 18, though, I think that's a still a good number. It, if he was, I think if he was free in the draft, he might have gone at 25, 30 potentially. So I think at the 18, I think it's all right. Jo- let's talk about individual player value overall in the draft, Johnny. Let's talk about. Certain guys who you think were just good steals mm-hmm. across the board at the price and name the price at which they got them at. Sure. We started with things being 10% more expensive. Obviously, that's on average as well. I think there are a, a few. I'm going to start with who I think Forrest had the best deal. DeRozan for $16 for the what you want to do. That guy, he's not even going to have to rely on DeMar most games. He th- I think he's his first guy off the bench based on that roster. I had him last year, and from a field goal percentage, free throw percentage, if you're playing percentages, he's phenomenal for your roster. He kills you in threes, which is probably where Forrest might be the weakest, but Ryan pointed out, you can pick up threes. I think you had LeBron, in retrospect, going for where he went, 
to uh, Greg. I think he went for $33. That's probably cheaper compared to what? Kawhi went for 36 Tim picked him up. That's a massive savings. You're dealing with guys that are very much dependent on how much they play. But honestly, in looking at it, LaMelo Ball going for 47 when you had everyone else getting really upgraded. And I think LaMelo's a guy that people forget how good his rookie year was. And on that team, there's not a lot of mouths to feed other than LaMelo. I think LaMelo could ball out for that amount of money for team grants. Yeah, Ryan, who sticks out yeah. for you? Yeah, those are some good. Those are some good calls. I I looked at the lower end, and I think that's where you'll see the most bang for your buck value for players to out, outperform. You've got a lot of picks down. I could go on and on. There's a lot of picks down here that are Jabari Smith for six, Nurkic right. for six, like Clay for six. These guys have the, a lot of the potential to put up twenty dollar seasons. So I tend to look down there and just take that side of it. I I had Bruce Brown at a dollar for my team. He's a steel block three candidate. He's going to be starting in Indiana. Uh, He's point guard, shooting guard, small forward eligible. I've got him as a breakout candidate. 15, five, and three with a steel block of three on average, like for a buck. That's tough to beat. Rob getting Marcus Smart at six bucks with jaw out for 25 games. That's difficult to beat. I think... A lot of Marcus Smart's value lies in the steals. And although steals are the easiest statistical category to, to pick up, I just think that's a great pick and can propel mm-hmm. him like forward a lot for six bucks in the first 25 games with Jaw out. And then one other one I did want to call out, Zach, to make up for ragging on you on worst team is Rob Williams at two bucks. Him being a starter... I think he could put up Mitchell Robinson-esque numbers and maybe a little better at two bucks. I think that's a great fire to take. And then you've got, there's so many more down there. Collins on the Spurs, Kaminga for a dollar. Yeah, there's just a ton down there to look at and be excited about. And inevitably, Robert Williams will be traded to either Josh or Forrest for $20. So it's phenomenal value. (laughs) (laughs) What about worst individual player value? So guys that went for a lot more than expected or should have? You had both of them. start, JC. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, the two worst dollar draft picks are on TJ and Josh's team. Josh Giddy going for $37 in this draft. When Kawhi went for 36, Evan Mobley went for 36, Wemby went for 35. Look, this was the, we talked about it, Josh locks in on a guy. This was Josh's lock-in guy. There was no, I was high on Giddy. I wanted Giddy badly, and I was pushing this up a bit. But when it crossed about $27, I'm like, this is, you're getting past what we can spend here. And then the second one, again, Giannis going for 70 is, that's a lot for me. And I think Damian being there and and Middleton being healthy this year, you're going to see a bit of a pullback in his overall numbers. Not saying Giannis isn't going to be a top 10 guy, but it, 70 bucks we're going back to 10 percent on average of teams available budget in here that's a lot of money you guys had more so part of it's a little correlation isn't causation you guys were spending more because you had more right but those would be my worst too what do you got ryan yeah josh giddy going for 37 <laughs> wemby going for 35 that's yeah. really difficult to to try to rationalize giddy fits josh's strategy pretty well and he plays a lot of the games by like his game by day 
meter is really high. Mm-hmm. OKC has the highest number of Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday games, so there's that. But the lat, like the really low end three steals blocks, makes him a tough pick at that number. I agree. Yeah, John, uh, Giannis was another one for me at 70. You got Zion Williams at 25, yeah. who, for all intents and purposes, like he grabs a few less boards. Um, that's tough that's tough to that's tough to deal with and like the way Giannis plays we're comparing him with Zion so it's weird to get into an injury question here but like the way Giannis plays with lingering injuries there there could be potential for him sitting out games it's difficult to spend that much money I think similar with Luca putting 80 bucks on a player it reduces their trade value and 150 essentially on these two guys if they're out hurt you're not very well diversified but if they hit nobody questions it cat at 50 was another guy that is a tough spend for me the percentages are eh he's steals and blocks have really fallen off like this could be another year where his usage drops slightly it's tough for me to look at him as a $50 player when in the 50 range, we've got Halliburton at 54, who many people are arguing is the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Lamelo at 47, Trey Young at 46, Anthony Davis at 46, Bam at 46, Butler at 44. It's really tough for me to see Cat go at 50 there. And then the, the other one, which is probably the most obvious bad pick is Jaw at 25. Yeah. I think... Him playing 82 games, 25 to 35 is probably his value. 25 for him sitting out 25 games and not IL eligible. I can't, I couldn't see it. I just couldn't see it. This was, this is going to be really interesting because I think while I think for speaking about our team and we would obviously agree that those were overpriced, but that, I think that is the value of having money, right? And when you have it, that's what you're going to flex. Is Josh Giddy worth 37? No, but you're right. Josh loves him. Two, we love that overall team, and he's going to be in the thick of it running the point guard position, and he's in his third season, right? And he's only going to get into his prime. So I think you like you make a bet. You're like, if you want a guy and you have the money and resources to do it, you just get him, Are right? You- it's not like we were like in a position of like we were like middling in terms of how much money we had, and we're like, let's go grab him. We had the money, said, fuck it. <laughs> Are you trying to say that the next morning, because you weren't on the draft, I don't believe. I think you were out in New York at the night. You're saying you did not wake up the next morning and see $37 for Giddy, and you're like, Josh, what the hell? I wasn't. I liked it. We knew we were going to get Giddy. We wanted Giddy. We wanted Giddy. Listen, we went into our strategy was like, if if somebody wants a player, you got to fucking be ready to spend. That's what we had. We had the most money, and we're prioritizing basketball. And I think it was... And I think it, I was happy with it. Was it a lot? I, sure. I'm not denying it, but I think he's, I personally love him. I love having him on the team. I think he's also just really fun to watch. That's not why you should drop that guy for that much. I think overall, it's going to be a very interesting year because of this new sitting. And if you sit, if you don't play a certain amount of games, you're not eligible for being first, second, or third team. And mm-hmm. for those who don't know, first, second, and third team, the importance of that is correlated to if you're eligible for super maxes or not. So this happened to Clay before his last extension. He did not get voted third team, and it cost him, I believe, in total around $30 million, $40 million yeah. towards his contract. 
So that's where there's an importance uh, here. And so getting guys like Kawhi, getting guys like Cat, getting guys like whoever usually doesn't play on back-to-backs or who gets managed, LeBron, like we don't know how many games they're going to play. And so I think that's going to be an interesting tweak overall. And I think we're still learning what's going to happen with this league and strategy. For example, I love that Tim who waited till after the basketball draft. I think the day after the basketball draft, he did a $50 trade. So now he's already giving himself a little bit more money going into baseball and football. And I think he's done two trades since then. So he's added $70. So he, he got the guys he wanted in the draft. He made it, he made, deals whether it was supposed to happen after the draft or not i have no idea but i think there's going to be a lot of strategy like that and everyone's going to be a little bit different depending on the money that they have going in and how they're going to strategizing like for i think you're right sam's going to have a really tough year i'm really interested to see what he does but um, he had the most money left after the draft right so maybe that was a strategy Mm -hmm. maybe he was just like i'm going to go this way i think it's a little bit in between for him but he's sitting nice moving forward he's got more chest left, even amongst the teams that had a lot of money going in. Sam wasn't one of the higher ones. He's probably the front runner for third place right now. So he didn't sell, and now he has the most money left over. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Ryan, thank you for joining the pod. Yeah, this is awesome. Any farewell words for everyone out there? Farewell words. Yeah, just a few quick points to add on categorical scarcity. Maybe you guys can like splice this back in at the beginning or something. But this was an interesting year for categorical scarcity with free throw percentage being the most difficult category to find. And what made this interesting is that there was a lot of guys late in the draft that could bump this up. So that was an interesting category to keep an eye on this year. Points and blocks and threes, interestingly enough, hard to find as well. I think you see a lot of guys in the one to two, three range, and then you see this like big skew at the end with some guys hitting three and a half to four and a half threes, and then steals. Steals was the tightest category with the range of the leader to like the lowest end guy being so tight. The leader is like 1.8 or something crazy. I think it's like Matisse Thibel or Fred Van Vliet. And then the low-end guys are half a steal a game. So that was like the easiest category to come across. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these categories fluctuate throughout the year and who's able to make up ground on some of these things. Um, Yeah, with obviously uh, blocks and percentages being the most lopsided categories, there's pretty clear direct inverse correlation between blocks and field goal percentage and and free throw percentage, with Forrest being the anomaly on that one. Yeah, and then just seeing who can exploit that games-by-day thing to squeeze more games out of the week. It'll be interesting to see if some people can do that to make up in some of the counting stats. Aside from that contextual piece, I'm just really excited. Thanks for having me back in the league this year, guys. It'll be fun to see how things play out. And super excited that this has moved into an auction draft. And that makes it a lot more fun, particularly with this whole budget situation across three sports that you guys have. It really opens up the realm of creativity and possibilities for people to have a ton more strategy and fun uh, going into these leagues. Really excited to see some of those changes being made. And and I think it'll add a ton of uh, excitement over the next few years. Yeah, awesome, man. It's great to have you back and and excited to to hang out and and just have you be a part of this again. And it's TG and I fought for a lot of this change. We wanted it to be more 
cutting edge again and, and get back to some really fun and, and unique ways to do fantasy sports. And, and we're, when you think about that kind of stuff, clearly even the research you did for this pod, you're one of those guys that enjoys pushing the envelope on fantasy sports and, and finding more unique ways as opposed to status quo. So it's great to have you back in this. 